So this is the West Coast Project feed for Louis TV. And uh, my name is Mike, and I'm here with Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Mike. Um, we are watching Louis again. Did you, um, what did you think? He's putting two episodes together now every, um, every time he does it. What do you think, what did you think of the first run of the two episodes? That's good. One is so short, it feels like. It's just, you go through it so quickly. But, um... I wasn't sure what to think with the first episode. I wasn't really sure where he was going. And uh, by the end of the second episode, I was I was kind of captivated. Yeah, I guess Louis took off 19 months since the last time he had season three. And uh, that was back in 2013. And he just asked for time off. And he did a couple movies. He did Blue Jasmine and American Hustle. And uh, I don't know if you noticed a couple weeks ago, he did Saturday Night Live. But um, he's taken some time off and he's come back and he's a little different. And um, I didn't like the first episode the first time I watched it. But I liked it a little bit more the second time. And then when I watched it straight through with the second one, I liked it even more. I think it kind of, it didn't really go together, but I think one fed into the other. I think with the first episode... In my opinion, and this is just my opinion because I'm not, you know, certainly any kind of expert on Louie or anything, but I just felt like it was more um, more just showing the aggravations of life and the day-to-day aggravations and how little things kind of pile up on you and um, had kind of a glass half-empty uh, feel to it. And, um, I don't know, as the second episode came around, I felt like I kind of started feeling a little more his, kind of what he puts into it, the, the undercurrent maybe of what he tries to get through. Yeah. I think all, I think as far as comedians go, all the best comedians are like philosophers, pretty much all comedians are philosophers. But when when I tune into Louis, I expect philosophy. That's that's how I've come to realize how much I like and why I like Louis. Um, it's you could go to YouTube and turn on a comedian's like live concert and listen to some jokes, and sometimes that's funny. But that's not why I tune into Louis. I tune into him to kind of see his take on life, his philosophy on life. Right. And, and that's how I've chosen to enjoy him and and his shows. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Me too, because a lot of the other stuff is, is um, it's just like you said, it's stuff that you can find anywhere from anybody. But he does have some pretty unique takes on uh, situational life problems and stuff. Yeah, so, um, so they're going to do two episodes a night for the next seven weeks on Monday nights. And so our podcast is going to just be those two episodes. We're not going to do separate podcasts for each different one. Um, and they're half hour each. So we'll, you know, 23 minutes, whatever they, whatever it maths out to, but, um, his very first one is back. Louis back. So, and there's a little bit of a double entendre that we'll see later on in the episode, but, um, it starts out and now he's got no title sequence. What did you think about that? No walking up through the pizza joint up the, from the subway 
Well, I wasn't sure because I never did finish. I never did catch completely up with all the episodes. So I wasn't sure that it actually ended right there. But, um, but yeah, I kind of miss it. I think it gave him more time to make room in the episode for his comedy, for his writing. Because that little vignette of the walking up the subway steps and through the pizza took probably a good minute, minute and a half out of each episode. Yeah, it did. It was like a minute and a half long. Yeah, so that's almost 10% of the episode, you know, the 23 minutes. So I don't know. I think he probably wants more. He wants to wedge more of his genius in. Well, that's a good point. Um, so he starts out at the Comedy Cellar, and he's talking about how he jumped from... Well, he started out in comedy at age 18, and then he's, he jumped up to age 44, and then how he somehow missed his 45th year. <laughs> and... uh he had a birthday, and all of a sudden he was 46. Have you ever forgotten your um, your age? I have. I have. Have Yeah, I, I've uh, thought I was one age, kind of, just kind of went through it, and then I realized that, um, no, that's not exactly right. Yeah, it's funny. And then he, he's, he's, like, kind of lamenting like he lost a whole year. Yeah, and he said how he kind of aged two years in that moment that he realized so that he was actually forty six. So do you? What do you think his message here is? Do you think he's just like kind of figuring, like, an angle on how to talk about being old or getting old? Well, he's talked about getting old from the get go. So when he was forty, forty one, however old he was in season one, he was talking about getting old. So um, I think old. Kind of to him, and I think he kind of touched on this at one point in this, is is wherever he is, that's what feels old from that age up. Because he kind of talks about later on that somebody says she's 31 and how old she feels. And he's like, 31's not old. You have to be 46 to be old or something. So I think he thinks his age and up is old. Um, I think that he was, he kind of jokes a little bit about life being short and how it doesn't feel short but it does feel short. And I think it's kind of like a touch on that is how I took that. What did you think about um, the garbage man scene where they, um, they kind of super, super emphasize the fact that garbage men are noisy? Yeah, I don't have that so much around here. And I haven't even seen metal garbage cans used in so long. Do they use metal garbage cans where you are? No, we have the plastic ones. But in, yeah. New, in New York, I'm sure they do. One thing I always, I'm, I'm totally amazed by this. Maybe this is a guy thing, but I'm totally amazed by how much garbage they can move out of New York. Like, how do they just process it every single day? There's so much waste and garbage created every day. It's put out on the streets and it all gets cleaned away. You know, it all gets managed. I've always been fascinated by that. <laughs> that that might be a guy thing. I don't think I've ever even thought about it, but what do they do with it? They, they have landfills, right? Take it to New Jersey. No, they do not. I think they do. They put it in a landfill in New Jersey. There's no room. New York's just a stone island. It's just, you know, there's nothing, no room anywhere. I mean, do they... Do they burn it or something? I mean, is it some some way to in to get rid of it? 
I mean, we have to eventually get rid of the garbage, right? I think they might gift wrap it and sell it on uh, Amazon. If you don't know, it's okay. You can just say, I don't know. All right. So then he meets his um, his super in his apartment, and he tells him a joke. His super has a great joke he wants to offer up to Louis. What do you, th- what do you think was the meaning of that? Another one of just life's little aggravations. I can imagine as a comedian that everybody wants to tell you their joke. Kind of like everybody wants to tell you something that they know about whatever you do. And um, then to tell it and not even tell it well, tell it completely wrong. Yeah. Just do- another of life's aggravations. I he think. doesn't want Louis to clutter it up with the funny part. Why yeah. do you got to clutter it up? <laughs> Louis has the funny part, like the punchline. And the guy was just laughing at absolutely nothing. Um, that's what Louis does with his whole routine is he... he does clutter things up he puts in different layers of life and all these little cul-de-sacs of different scenes and people coming and going and all these surreal touches like he'll talk to the tv set the tv will talk back to him that's his gig that's that's his style that's what makes him funny i think that's why i think that's why the scene i think that's the meaning of this scene well any storyteller that's what they do right because you want the details, and he's kind of a storyteller. Yeah, that's his um, that's his expertise. Is like this his his way of being different than most other comedians, I think. But it was so blatant how ridiculous the guy was being. That wasn't just detail. That was the punchline, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy just wasn't even doing it. So I think it, you know, I just took it more as just aggravation. He's showing how every little thing from the time he wakes up in the morning is annoying to him. Right. His whole life is aggravating him. Right. There are people like that, though. There are people that, like, think they can tell a joke and think they're funny and they're not funny at all. (laughs) I think it's pretty hard to be a comedian, a good comedian. I'm sure. I'm sure it's very hard. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, as as we go on to find out with Louis himself later on. So Louis meets with his friend in the coffee shop and they talk about um, what it's like being a dad. And his friend pretty much says, you know, kids don't care about their dads. To use, to why are you wasting your time doing that? Yeah, that was um, really weird. I couldn't picture... Anybody actually saying that to to somebody, much less to a friend, he was telling him that, um, well, he was asking Louis to go to a movie or something. And then Louis said he couldn't because he was picking up his kids and it was hard because it was a transition day and he had to work late and get up early to get them for school or something. And, um, you know, the guy's just telling him. Forget about the kids. You could abandon your children. Just leave them. You know, I don't like your kids anyway and all that kind of stuff. I've met them. I drew pictures of them. I tore them up. I mean, just horrible things about... No one would ever say that. Tore them up in front of them, yeah. Yeah. And um, just another way, I think, that he feels like a failure in life. Another annoyance. And I think he starts to think... Not something bad about his children, but just how hard the mundane is 
that's how I took that. I think Louie's great at the mundane, though. Like, the next scene, we see him picking up his two girls, and we realize pretty much how magnificent he really is with the, with those two girls. Um, there's there's a there's a part of the conversation where the little one wants him to carry her backpack, and he's, he says something like, I would never do that to you. I would never carry your backpack. Yeah. And it's pretty much I would never step in and make you avoid a burden that you can learn from, which was pretty brilliant. I thought I really liked that. I thought it was good too. I, I like that too. I wasn't sure the first time. I, well, truthfully, even after the first time I watched it, if he were just being lazy though and didn't want to carry her backpack or even though the life lesson was very good because he didn't protest when, uh, Lily, the older daughter carried the backpack. He allowed Lily to carry it for her. Yeah, but that's okay. There's even a lesson in that. Like, you know, she got somewhat of a solution, but she had to realize that she had to, you know, she had to admit her sister was stronger or, you know, there was a little bit of a lesson in there somewhere that she's probably going to remember. Yeah, but I wonder if some of the conversation from his friend just immediately prior to that didn't bleed over a little bit because his friend was saying... You don't think? No, it's a lesson. It's a great lesson. Don't let people interrupt your burdens. It's something you need to let them go through. Well, of course, of course. But it's showing how his children, she didn't just ask him to carry it. She's whining and she's like, please carry it. It's heavy. It's heavy. This is heavy. And she's going on and on. And I think he's feeling some of that annoyance at how, the life hasn't turned out. It's just not that picturesque kind of thing that you picture when you have kids. You don't picture them whining and walking down the sidewalk asking you to, you know, schlep their burdens with them. Well, that's and, the or, that's the setup for the very punchline at the very end of the episode. But we'll we'll see how that plays out at the end. Yeah, you, life's going to offer you a bunch of burdens. You have to deal with them, um, you know, one at a time and overcome them. You can't just have them all removed and make your path perfectly clear. Yeah, I think I it's just, a great, it's a great, and if you don't, you know, unless you connect all the dots, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, oh, the kid's nagging at him. He's, he's frustrated with her. He's, you know, annoyed with her. But there is a message that flows throughout the episode. I agree with that. Because then they go on in and he's cooking dinner. And the youngest girl's... um Jane is her name, and she's saying, yuck, it's broccoli and pasta. I got to tell you, you're going to have to add some butter or some Parmesan or something to that, because I would probably be yucking about it, too. But Not if you're but, healthy. You can tell well, Louis a health nut, man. He's into blood. <laughs> well, pasta, as you know, is gluten, so, okay. Oh, God. Yeah. We're not going to let um, that ruin our podcast. Okay. Um, but anyway, she's saying yuck about it and he's really not happy with her doing that. He's like, get out of here, get out of here right now. So I think the sum of all these like little Louie not putting up and indulging them in their annoyances is like, is like a pretty good lesson though. I think these are all adding up. I agree. So he looks at the other daughter and helps her with her homework or just kind of looks over her homework. And it's um, she's writing a letter to AIDS. 
Yeah, I don't think he helped her a whole lot. I think he looked over it and... Uh, Dear AIDS, he, please cut it out. That's a pretty good advice. Okay. Yeah. She was not happy with it at all. And uh, she was telling him that that was a serious topic and he just couldn't... He just could He He had to leave her alone. Yeah. Well, I think they're both learning. Like the daughters and Lee are both learning from each other. It's pretty cool. I think so. And then the, he's tucking them into bed, and the little girl wants him to do the Beatles. And I didn't even know what she was talking about at that point. And he resists for a while. And the older girl wants her own room, and she wants to buy a bigger apartment. And they want to know who the sitter's going to be because he's got to leave. And then they whine about the sitter that's coming and all that. And, of course, the daughters win in the end, and he does the Beatles, which which was, I thought he was going to sing or something. I didn't know he was going to like. Well, they all win. Them. I think they all win because it's like, do this for me, Daddy. No, do the carry this for me. No, change dinner, Daddy. No, get us a bigger apartment, Daddy. No, 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 no. Right, and then he then it's like do the Beatles, and he does it, and it's a little loving like connection that he makes with his daughters. Obviously, they've done it before. They know what it is, so he must have done it like multiple times before. Right. So it's a payoff. It's like a, it's a really sweet payoff. Like, okay, this will help, you know, put a cap, kind of a perfect cap on a day. I think every answer was correct. Like, I'm not going to carry your backpack. You're going to eat what I'm making because that's what we decided to make. We're not going to move you into like a luxury apartment. And okay, <laughs> I'll do the Beatles. It was all, they were all the correct answers. See, I kind of felt like he felt a little guilty because they didn't like the sitter. And so it was kind of like a, uh, you know, a payoff for that because I think he felt bad about leaving them, even though they were going to be asleep because he pointed that out. He's like, why do you care who's going to be here? You're going to be asleep the whole time, not leaving until you're asleep. And, but they didn't like the lady who was coming. And I don't know why, because she was a bundle of personality. If you were a kid, would you like to have Louie as a dad? Yeah, I mean, I think Louie would be a fine dad. Yeah, as long as I didn't, you know, as long as the the uh, inappropriate parts of his comedy didn't bleed over into a child's life. Well, they I don't. don't. They no, don't. No, no, that's what I'm saying. And I, I think he, his interaction with his kids seems very genuine and, yes, very loving. Yeah, you answer, You kind of qualified your answer. My answer would be, like, unresoundingly yes, absolutely. He's like a, he's like a great dad. You can tell he cares about them. He, he doesn't indulge them in things that, you know, would maybe prevent them from growing a little bit. But he does indulge them in sweet things. And he does – he's totally funny and he's, like, entertaining. And I don't know. I think he's a, I think he's a fantastic dad. I think he's a really good dad. I I think he's not as funny with them. I think, you know, when you're talking about him being funny, I think we see the funny and they don't see the funny so much. I think they just see the dad. But I think that's okay, too. And I really think that's probably how it should be. Yeah, I really like the way he's a dad. I mean, I, I admire... I'm not a dad myself, but I admire what he does with those two girls. Yeah, I haven't seen one thing um, that of his interaction with them that I don't think is, like I said, loving and genuine. 
So he goes back to the club and he says, life is short. Sometimes people life feel like life is short and life is short if you're a dead child. That is just horrible. That was a horrible thing to it's say. It's funny. It's oh, funny. Oh, that's... Uh, you know, sometimes there's a line and he just like dances across it to me. It would and not that, be funny if it didn't have this really great scene with his daughters right before it, though. You know, he's... he's it, it, I don't know. I think it's just really brilliant that he, me- he meshes those together. Well, then he goes on to say... Um, if not, life is really long. And I don't think he thinks that. I think he does. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he's he's losing years, and he he can't remember being 45. He goes from 44 to 46. And I think he thinks it's really all pretty short. No, I think he thinks it's long. Like He says something like, once you get to be 46, it's long. Like he's well, ready to go to bed at 4 p.m. Yeah, that's the days are said. too long. If you could get up at two, if it were socially acceptable, and then go to bed at four, it would be a good day. Yeah, but I don't think he really thinks that. All right, well, I do. Do you think that is that something that you can relate to, like the days being so long that you just want it to be over with already? And I mean, I know we 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 all have those occasionally. You got some days, day. yeah. Some days, absolutely. It, you know, I never get everything done. I want to get done. So the logic of it is, of course, no, it's not a, It's not long enough. I need more time to, like, accomplish things. But, yeah, sometimes I feel like, wow, it's like I've worked really hard and it's only 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I feel like a whole lot more often what you said at first. Just there's so much more to get done that I wish there were more hours in the day, not less hours in the day. But you've you freak you very infrequently hear someone say i really wish there were less hours in this day that just seems like such an odd thing well it's not the right thing to say it's always the right thing to say like oh i wish i had more time i have so much to do everything i'm working on is so important it's not the right I, thing to say i have too much time and i you know i wish i could sleep it off i heard a saying one time somebody said the days are long but the years are short i said that to you you told me that yeah. Well, here I am quoting you. I said life right? is long and short at the same time. Life is both long and short at the same time. Well, there we go. So he's at the poker game. This scene I didn't like. And I also didn't like the one poker scene episode he had back in season one, I think. Um, I don't know. I just didn't like this scene. But what did you think about it? It, it, was, it was kind of honesty and openness about pretty much about masturbation and how everyone did their own personal self-pleasure. I didn't see the point in that. I've, I have personally never in my life had friends that I would sit around and have that kind of conversation with. Um, it was, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. But you know how, I felt. there was four solid minutes of just talk about that i mean it's just it was it was crude and i didn't see the point in it i think when i first turned this episode on um i kind of caught it on monday night halfway in the episode and i turned it on at this point pretty much in that scene they talk about masturbation and jim norton talks about how he uses a vibrator and a massage he uses a vibrator and a dildo but he keeps a dildo in the dresser drawer just for like effect but uses the vibrator so louis goes to check out vibrators at the 
sex store. Yeah, and he goes in there and he's all embarrassed and he's kind of mumbling to the to the lady and everything and and the conversation that's going on around him is maybe like a conversation that would go on in that place between the employees, but it was just making him even more self-conscious and stuff. And then he goes to point towards something he wants on the back shelf and throws his back out in that store. That was kind of funny. I can't imagine throwing your back out, just waving your arm like that. Yeah. I don't think he threw his back out. I think he got hit with some sort of spasm that was kind of a guilt related. (laughs) It wasn't like he lifted something heavy and threw his back out. It was like, the topic of the conversation caused something to freak out in his back. So it was a psychosomatic kind of. It was a funny. It was a funny scene at, at that store though, because they're talking about like colors and quantities of dildos and vibrators, just like it's normal store stuff. Like we need more, whatever. Well, I could see if you worked in a store having that conversation <clears throat> with somebody else in the store. That seemed totally. Uh, normal to me. That didn't seem like it would be an abnormal conversation to have where it felt forced when it was between when they were having that same kind of conversation between friends. But so he gets out of there and he has to head back home. And so a little old lady helps him get a cab. Did you make a name game connection from back to back pain? No, I didn't. But that's good. Louis back. Louis back. Yep. Yeah. He, he's sitting outside on the ground and young guys are walking by and they're making fun of him. And that older woman who comes out, she's pushing that cart and she lifts him to his feet. This little frail woman in her long skirt and her walking shoes. And, and she hails a cab for him and she's all sweet to him. I want to be that woman in a bunch of years. That's who I want to be her. I loved her. She was great. That's uh, pretty high life ambition, Michelle. She was, well, I do. She was, she was sweet. She was sweet to him and she was strong and she was, you know, old and, and helpful. And she took charge of the situation. And she yeah. She didn't exactly him. lift him. She kind of counterbalanced him as he, I mean, she weighed probably a third of what he weighs. I, yeah, soaking wet in a sleeping bag. And here she is, and she's pulling him up, and he's leaning on her, and she's 115 years old. She was great. Well, so we get to see Louie with another doctor, another comedian doctor. Last time we talked about a doctor, it was um, Ricky Gervais. But now he gets to see Charles Grodin, Dr. Bigelow, Charles Grodin. And uh, what did you think of him? I liked him. What did you think? He was, except when he was eating. Oh my gosh, that drove me crazy. Well, that was the whole com. That was the whole stretch of the comedy. I know, I know. I'm, and of course, I liked that. I thought it was funny, but it was like one of those. I mean, what would you say if you walked into a doctor's office and he were eating like that? How could you sit there? Well, Louis stretches this out like he does in most other things to an uncomfortably long length um, and doesn't question those acting around him, you know, inappropriately. I know. Like, dude, you're just going to sit there and eat your sandwich while I'm standing and I'm waiting here for like your advice. 
And he didn't just eat. He was like eating it and like chewing with his mouth open and putting water in his mouth and swishing it around and sucking his teeth. And it was it was just excruciating watching him enjoy that sandwich. Did you notice the lady who took him back, the receptionist or nurse or whatever she was, held her hand out for a tip? Did you notice that? No, she didn't. I promise she did. I promise. Go back and look. Because I couldn't believe it when I saw it, like the second time I watched it. I thought, she did not. Because I kind of caught it out of my eye and I rewound it. It would That would have been funny, but I don't really, I don't think so. I think that's what she was doing. She looked down at her hand. Why would she hold her hand out and look down at her hand? Well, Groden slash Bigelow, Dr. Bigelow, gives him really not much doctoral service, but he gives him like a really fantastic piece of philosophical advice. What to walk on his hands and feet. Yeah, that was, that's exactly it, Michelle. Yeah. And just to enjoy every second that your back doesn't hurt. So she's the only one that gave him any advice and he didn't even. Well, that advice from Groden was great though. Enjoy your life every second. Life's going to hurt sometimes. Keep moving ahead. If you went to a doctor because something was real, I mean, he couldn't stand up on the side of the road, and the doctor says, eh, of course your back hurts, you're old. I yeah, mean, but my any physical maladies I have pale in comparison to psychological ones I can solve. Like, the most important things to me are the psychological ones. Well, I think that's true. For the most part, but that would probably mean that you just haven't had any really bad physical ones. Yeah, I have. Well, I mean, if you have something, not that Louis's back was life or death, but if you have something life or death, then that's going to take precedent over the psychological. But it's not life or death. It's like a back pain. Right. That's what I said. Not his, but... You know, I think that if you can say that any physical that you've ever had, the psychological was the one was what was more important to it, then you're just lucky because a lot of people have a lot of physical that, you know, that would take precedent maybe over the psychological. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to, you know, make that seem like it wasn't as important or as I don't know. So um, back at the club, we hear Louis talking again about time and life being important and times in life being important. And he says, he kind of plays the part that we've seen in the previews about um, what happens after you die. And he says, there's still a Super Bowl. Life goes on. You're just not in it. There's a Super Bowl. There's a dog catching a Frisbee. You know, life just kind of goes on. It's pretty yep. true, pretty prescient. It's pretty obvious too that that's a good that's a good sound philosophy. But I think it was I heard him saying again that it's back to life being short. I think he's a contradiction in a lot of those things. I know you don't necessarily hear it like that, but you know I've got my girl filter in, and I I do. Well, he says that um, at thirty, you can still get charged and convicted of murder and still have a life after it. Ha- have a good life after it. Serve your sentence for what twenty five years and come out at fifty five, and there you Who go. Who would even think of that? <laughs> and there you go. Yeah. I 
to be in his mind would have to be a scary place sometimes. All right. So we have an economy of time because we got another show to go through and we're already at 40 minutes and we have 23 and 23, 46. Or we're already at, sorry. F- yeah, we're already are at 40 minutes. Yeah, but I think it's because we talked quite a bit at the beginning of it. We got We talked it. the whole time. That's what it is, a podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you here we go at model model Louis picking up on the waitresses. He's hitting them with the stupid generic one-liners at the beginning of the episode. He was just talking to her. He wasn't, you know, he was just making small talk, wasn't he? Probably stu- probably stuff he's done a million times cuz the first mm-hmm. girl Jamie is like, "Don't start on me tonight again, please. I don't want to keep saying no to you." So what do you think about that? What about, what do you say as a what say you female <laughs> of guys asking like you to do stuff and back when you were single, did was it hard to say no all the time to guys? Nobody likes to have to say no. You would hope that a guy would get the message and you wouldn't have to say it. So I think females, we, I, go out of my way, went out of my way to make sure that that it was never asked. I completely got that. So it's pretty interesting. You got shut down by Jamie and then the black waitress kind of says, dude, you got to just quit asking everybody out. It's it's not becoming of you. She gives well, Jamie shuts him down and the other one gives him good advice. Yeah, and she goes, you can't ask everyone. And it was like, no, you can't. Of course, I didn't realize he had, but evidently he had because... Well, of course he has. And then she's saying people don't like saying no. And people don't, I don't think. I don't think very many women would love to say no to somebody, and particularly to the same person, more than one time. It's a problem. It's a unique problem for females compared to males, I think. Women have to fend off the advances of males, and males don't usually have to worry about that. I would say that's true. Yeah. So Louis meets a very, very mean Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> you thought he was mean? I thought, he, he was kind of poking at him, I guess. He was but... a dick. You don't think he was mean? Well, right there or the later The whole on? time, every scene he was in, he was mean. I didn't think he was mean at the beginning. He just, he, he came up to him and asked him to do a benefit with him. For what? What was the, what's the benefit? Well, he said it was um, for heart disease or something. He's, he well, kinda, he puts him off. He's like, well, you don't really need to know. Yeah, I know. I know. He that was, was He was a dick. That was the whole point. That was the funny thing to it. He was a jerk. The funny irony is they're supposed to be really good friends in real life. And Jerry Seinfeld was just a jerk the whole way. It seems like, though, maybe why I didn't notice it as much, particularly in that scene, was because every interaction he has, almost, with another comedian seems like it's kind of the same way. They're really, it's like a sparring. You rarely see them having any kind of a meaningful or nice conversation they're always kind of poking, almost like gathering material or something. Yeah, but they have some friendly poking, and this was just not friendly at all. Yeah. It was like, it, it was like Louis, this show's out in the Hamptons. Like, you got it right, the Carlisle in the Hamptons. And, and he was, like, talking down to him the whole time. You're right. He did do that. And he yeah. wasn't even, like, he, Jerry Seinfeld's going to know that Louis's like a slob. Like, you got to be different this time. You got to bring some nice clothes and be ready to do this. 
every time we see Louie, he's in a T-shirt and he's fat and frumpy and <laughs> Jerry doesn't, you know, give him any more specific directions than Hamptons. Do you know where the Hamptons are? The Carlisle, five o'clock. Can you do it? Like talking to him like a kid. And who was it that backed out on him? Was that some something we were supposed to know? Because I did, couldn't figure that out or it didn't matter. Just uh, I could try the other to find guy. Out. I was just curious. The other guy, you know, he said the other guy just backed out, and it was like the very next day or something. Right? Yeah, I'm doing a benefit out in East Hampton. You know, Long Island. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, see, Tom Papa was supposed to do it, but he got sick. He can't do it. Tom Papa. Can you do it? Okay. Do like ten minutes in front of me. Yeah, sure. Can you do it like ten minutes? Really? He's a dick. He's mean to him. Can you get yourself there? Yes, I can do that. Sure. Really? Can yeah. Can you work clean? Clean? Yeah. Can you not curse? Can you not say dirty sex, poop, dogs, having sex with <laughs> vagina dirt? Yeah, I can avoid that stuff. Yes. Okay. All right. This will be good. This will be good. There's no money. It's a benefit. But, you know, these, yeah. these things can be good. I think it'll be good for you. Okay. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he's just being super friendly with him. No, he definitely <laughs> wasn't being very friendly with him. It's like, no, there's no money, but it might be good for you. It's like, you're a loser. Anything you can, I can get you to stand up in front of people is good for you. Well, I was just thinking that it was nice that Jerry Seinfeld asked him to do something. But you're right that upon hearing it in that context, it wasn't very nice. All right. Well, try to keep better notes next time. Okay. So now I'm stuck at behind. I had to backtrack to record that for you. You are grouchy. So Louis on the tonight. bus writing notes, and he comes up with the brilliant line that chickens are dumb. Yeah, that's all he can think of. He can think of nothing but chickens. Well, chickens are think- pretty dumb. He does. He does amp that up to a somewhat near funny level when he gets in front of the crowd. That chickens are stupid enough to keep. I mean, we have. I've, chicken three or four nights a week and no chicken ever revolted in the slaughterhouse to stand up for his rights yeah he he can't think of anything that's not crude or dirty that was the point remember he wrote clean jokes or something at the top or you know yeah yeah on the bus on the way there so that's how much preparation he's done for it and um he can't think of a thing he's just completely drawing a blank so i really dug this french music because it made me start to think this is like almost a dream sequence fantasy sequence yeah it was um almost like a french sade or something because it's like a i don't know like like lovers music or something excuse me this is a private affair. I'm uh, entertaining. I'm a performer on the, sh- the show. You the drummer? No, I'm a comedian. The I'm drummer. Jerry. <laughs> You're opening for Mr. Yeah, Seinfeld. Yeah, I'm on first. I'm, I'm oh. oh, God. Louis. So Louis is wandering around in his T-shirt among all the tuxes and beautiful people. Oh, that was awful. Jerry, I tell you, Jerry, you got to give him kudos for not walking away. Well, he probably wants to do it. I mean, it probably Not. is. It probably is good for him to do it, but I don't know. 
<laughs> Poor Louie, man. I mean, everybody's man. dressed, though, and he's just awful. And he, you know, runs his hands through his hair and tries to tuck in his black T-shirt as a way to spiff himself up a little. And it was just awful. First of all, I think Louie is funnier than Jerry Seinfeld. I was meant to say that the very first time we were starting to talk about Jerry Seinfeld. But I think Louie is funnier. Um and I think it's really funny that they have this pissy relationship while they're really probably really good friends in real life. But Jerry gives Louie the security guard's jacket to kind of spiff him up a little bit. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, with all the badges all over it and everything. That was funny. And Louie totally bombs. He just gets out there cold and he has, he has uh, nothing funny to say. Except, no, and he and, was late, too. Remember, I mean, he said Jerry told him to be there at 5, but he meant, or he told him it started at 5, meaning get there early, I think. And then he, you know, he's saying, you're late, you're not dressed, and he was really ragging on him right there. And then he wouldn't tell him the name of the of the benefit. Right, he tell and, he's, him. and he said, then the very first thing he says is like, thank you for coming to the save our hearts whatever it, whatever it was world <laughs> heart the, alliance yeah it was right behind him though on the podium in a big uh big plaque placard and he he didn't know and it was right there which made it even funnier i thought but yeah louis just he bumbles right out of the gate he's like think give yourselves a big hand for having a great time and <laughs> he says everything backwards and sideways and uh, that was good. But he does find one member of the audience that really digs what he's saying. He does. Uh, what's her name? Do you remember her name? Uh, it was... Uh, Blake? Blair? Blake's. Blake. It was Blake. He finds Blake, and Blake finds him funny. Yep. What, did, what did you think of Blake. Um, hey, have you ever spoken in public? Like, they kind of showed the room when, you know, it looked like you probably had 500 people, 300 people. Have you ever spoken in public? Me? Yeah. I have. And how, do you, how did you find it? First of all, uh, what do you mean, me? Well, I mean, I'm like, well, I don't know what you were talking I mean, have I, of course I've done some public speaking in my life. I'm not like, you know eight um it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all but you know me and i have to be prepared for it i can wing stuff okay but i really dislike it i'm really uncomfortable with it well that's I'm my prepared. point i mean what louis the the whole point of this scene was like louis was like the very first time he was speaking in public almost Thank you. Give yourselves a hand for having a good time. Well, yeah, wait a minute. Right. It was like his, he, he kind of knew what to say, but he said it all out of order, and it was like his first time at a microphone. Yeah, it was like he uh, was having trouble stringing even a sentence. But I can't picture that with Louie, not really. I've never heard anybody bomb that bad. That was really bad. So do you think this was real or, I mean, I mean, we know it's not real. We know it's a comedy show. But why do you think Louis injected this very, very surreal, ethereal, almost like fantasy setting of him meeting the girl? What, what was the point? 
um, well, the, the situation was funny, the situation and how it happened. And it was kind of reminiscent of the other girl in the young old episode that he did where she just came out of nowhere and was attracted to him for absolutely no reason that anybody else would see why she was attracted to him. And, um, so I've kind of seen it with him before, so I didn't take any extra meaning on that. Did you think something different? Um, I just think Louis totally exaggerated in his writing of this episode, totally like showed the, almost the counterpoint of reality by so super exaggerating it to like this woman leaves the event to come out and pick him up in her super sports car and drive him (laughs) home. And yeah. And drive him to her home in her convertible. What was it? A Maserati or something to her palace in the Hamptons. And that girl is Yvonne Strahovski. She was in, um, or she is in 24 too, which also aired the same night. First episode. Wow. I didn't. She was in Dexter and she's starting in uh, 24 or whatever. What is it? 24 of the new generation or something like that. Yeah. I don't know, but I didn't, I didn't see her in, but I mean, I'm, that's no surprise. Yeah. She debuted in both shows on at the same time. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's pretty good. She's an Australian actress. Um, live another day, 24, live another day. Yeah. Yeah. So, but she was pretty cool. You know, she was very, very physically beautiful, but she was mostly beautiful by her just enthusiasm for life and ha- she was happy and she was laughing and I was in this beautiful, isn't this ocean beautiful? And I don't know. I really dug that about her. I mean, it was easy to look at her, just her physical beauty, but her, just her spirit was really, really beautiful too. Really well, attractive. Yeah. But that's what she said though. That's not how she normally was because Louis said, isn't it beautiful here every night when she strips down to her underwear and runs into the ocean and he's standing there and uh, she's like, it's just so beautiful out here. And he said, well, isn't it beautiful every night? And she said, um, I don't, I don't notice. I hate it or something like that. And he's like, well, why, why now or something? She's like, because you made me laugh. Yeah. what did you think about that? I mean, what's the female message there? Like how appealing do you find guys who can make you laugh? It's it's uh, top of the line. So it's, how come women, how come beautiful women aren't always out like with clowns and jugglers and? I don't I don't laugh at a juggler. I want somebody. She uh, made a point. She said the fact that these people hated you, these not nice people hated you, makes you my hero. So I think you have to touch on somebody. It has to be something that they can connect with, with you. And then that makes the stuff funny. It's not just the jugglers or the clowns. And he, he hit whatever it was in her that (laughs) literally that, that made it, made it, made her appreciate him, which you could tell he's either a great actor or you could tell that he really was feeling that during the scene because he really liked the fact that she liked him. Yeah. I think, I think Louis really master skill is that he's a great director. Like he's a pretty good comedian. He's a pretty good actor, but he's really a great director. Like he puts the people in the right places for all the, 
all the machinery to mesh together to make it funny or mesmerizing like in a psychological way. Because at one point then, you know, they go home and I don't know, one thing that was really funny is like she walks in with her dripping wet like panties and bra and he slips and he's like, oops, sorry. <laughs> like everyone, everyone in the world everywhere has slipped on tile like that. And you know how stupid you feel. And he's like apologizing. And, and it's where she had wrung her hair out. She like takes this beautiful, long golden hair and she wrings it out to the side and she's strolling in with this beautiful uh, strut and wrings her hair and he just hits the floor in the water. It was, that was great. Right. I actually laughed out loud with that one. That was funny. There was such a dis- disconnect too, because she's like in her underwear looking really sexy and he's in his like gym shoes and stupid shirt and whatever his stupid underdressed style well but, he still um, had his jacket on the funny thing or the or the really compelling thing to me in this was when she says to him maybe it's not really happening that was just super that was like a killer line and and then he he laughs at her about it he calls her what weird or he says you're you're weird or something i don't know yeah he laughs but, it off yeah. mm-hmm but that was his well that was his thought line, you know, maybe this isn't really even happening. Well, I mean, but he even told her. He said, you know, I don't I don't usually this isn't usually how I roll. And um beautiful astronaut's daughter, model, this perfect house, a sports car, picks me up and takes me home. This doesn't usually happen to me. Yeah. So So since we're running out of time. There was tickling, a punch, a hospital, jail, a lawyer, and Louis ends up having to pay 5000 a month for the rest of his life. But I guess the really the punchline is back at the real life. I think this was kind of a fantasy sequence because back in real life, Louis meets up with Jamie again. The girl who told him, like, don't make me say no. God, I'm busy. Leave me alone. He meets up with her and he gets her to laugh. I think that was the message. She shut him down and then he tells her about this crazy story and she laughs. And getting her to laugh seemed way more realistic than than him getting the the blonde Blake from the Hamptons to laugh. Yeah, I think it definitely had more meaning to him, but she was she felt bad for him. He's sitting there with that big huge thing on his nose and he looked ridiculous and and uh, she's laughing and offers to get him a drink. And he says, okay. And then she gets him a drink and he, or she says, don't go anywhere. And he's sitting there and did he tear up? I don't it looked know. like he teared up. And it was hard to tell because he's got, you know, a broken nose or whatever, but it really did. And I was going to ask you what you thought about that because it was like that had so much meaning to him. I don't think so. <laughs> Just without knowing, I'm gonna guess no, but Oh my god. <clears throat> Do you wanna drink? Yeah, sure. Still got the French music okay, playing. I know they play it again there. Right. 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 Now watch him. No, he's just happy. He's just like... Okay. 
He's just like thinking, wow, this life is crazy. He does put his fist to his nose, kind of like you think when you see people do that in movies, they're like going to start crying. But I think he's just, I think he's just like appreciating the irony, like, wow, what a day. What a day. I got to pay this one chick five grand a month for the rest of my life, but at least Jamie likes me. (laughs) Would that be enough in a male's mind to compensate? And override everything that he had just been through. In a funny way, it is. To have to pay $5,000 a month for the well, rest of Well, no, his of course life. not. It's not literal. It's Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering because he's like, oh, now everything's okay. It was worth it. No. He's not going to have no. to pay. It, that was just like... I think they made that whole scene to be a fantasy sequence to think like, wow, this is this would be great. But you know what? Just going back to the old regular club on Manhattan in Manhattan and making the old plain girl laugh. That's like pretty damn good, too. It's not literal. It's not like this all really happened. And now I have this obligation to pay five thousand a month. It was like a comparison, you know, like a contradiction. Right. Okay. I can I could go along with that. I saw Louie on a talk show recently, and I can't remember, and I couldn't find it. But um, he was talking about he was a different person on a talk show. I mean, he's the same person, of course, particularly in his comedy scenes. But he was different. He was talking about how everybody gripes about everything. And he was talking about cell phones. And he's like, we all get these cell phones and they're little miracles that we hold in our hands. And all anybody says is what a piece of crap this is. And they complain about it. And he's like, no dude, you're holding a miracle in your hand. And I'm totally butchering his stuff. But it was like, because I saw him do that, I really get the feeling that a lot of this stuff that he's doing is that he thinks we live in a beautiful world for the most part and that we find these little petty annoyances. And maybe that's why I took that first episode like I did, because we really find annoyances and exaggerate them to the point that they consume us. And that's how I made it through the first episode was because I saw that I, I saw him talking about that and then saw that episode and it almost looked like a parody of of how he really feels. All right, well that's it for the first two episodes of Louie on his fourth season on West Coast Project. Well, I think we're just gonna have to get Louie on and let him sort some of this stuff out it's pretty notoriously recluse though so i don't know if he'll take my calls um yeah maybe not but if you can use your network to get him use your uh genius marketing daughter to get him on that'd be great (laughs) okay i'll i'll see what i can do all right michelle i'll talk to you next week okay mike all right bye Bye bye-bye thank you